When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Away for another Vaughan boundary. <laughs> Well, he's a great fieldsman, Philip Tuffman. He often falls over and he's brought it into his batting as well. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Vaughan and Tuffers Cricket Club podcast brought to you by The Telegraph. Ben, Michael and Phil with you as always. You wait all summer for an England win and then three come along at once. England men beat Australia at Headingley to claw the series tally back to 2-1. And the women beat their Aussie counterparts in the T20 format at the Oval and then Lords to keep their series alive too. To quote Mark Wood, the sage of Ashington, Woohoo! Delighted to say our guest today is a man who is no stranger to drama at Headingley, England spinner Jack Leach, who is, of course, currently out of the squad with injury. And with a week to go until the start of the next Test match, we'll check in once again with Nick Holt about how Brendan McCullum will use the crucial rest period between games. Spoiler alert, we imagine there might be some golf played. Right, what is it about Headingley? Oh, the Northern Air. Something about that place. Um, <laughs> oh, I have to say, I mean, I just think it's... Um, you know, it's a great cricket wicket. I, I think the groundsman this week, Richard Robinson, he's an ex... Um, uh, teammate of mine back in the 90s. I played a, a bit of cricket for the Yorkshire Academy and seconds with Richard. Um, he produced the best cricket wicket that I've seen for a long, long time. It had pace, it had bounce, there was movement. I'm sure if it had been a five-day game, we'd have seen a bit of spin. Um, yeah, I just think the pitch at Henley, the conditions when it's sunny, it pretty much is a flat one. When the clouds roll in, it starts to do a bit. Um, the the crowd are always right right behind the England side. You know, it's a raucous atmosphere. Um, you just get venues like that, don't you? That suddenly um, you get there and you just feel something special could happen. You know, you, you very rarely get a dull week at Headingley. You, you, you know, you, you go back over the years, the chase against New Zealand. I remember that game against the West Indies when the West Indies chased down that big target um, when Joe was captain. Uh, I remember Jimmy Anderson getting out against Sri Lanka, the pen- penultimate ball of the Test match. Um, it's a great cricket wicket. Um, absolutely staggered that in 2027, uh, the Ashes will not be there. Absolutely bonkers. Yeah, yeah. It, it's one of those places. It's one of those places that, as you say, you know, 
you get you get full value for your runs. I've never seen a quicker outfield in my life. It was yeah. just even with all the Australians back on the boundary. If it's not within a couple of yards of you, it's four, and it just generates that feeling that you can do whatever you you know you, you can you can you can get there. You can do it if you play well. If you bowl well early on. There's always something there to get a wicket. If you get over that time, you can really put your hammer down. I mean, look at Mitch Marsh's uh, innings. I mean, that was incredible yeah. as well. So it just does that. It, it, you, you get value for good cricket and positive cricket at Headingley. Can I just carry on about Headingley just for a brief second? He said that you can't have everything. I mean, the pitch was great. The outfield was rapid. The crowd are incredible. Of all the grounds, I've never eaten food as bad in all my life. <laughs> it was, it was, oh, that oh, was great. absolutely revolting. Yeah. I mean, I remember you saying oh, this last year. You, Phil, explain some, ex, Phil, explain some of the dishes that we had this week. Well, I can't understand it. It was confusing <laughs> food. That it was, it was like a sort of a strange mix in your mouth. You'd have sort of, Mac- <laughs> mac- macaroni and cheese with sort of coleslaw yeah. with all sort of like I don't know lye cheese and things it was very strange <laughs> I know it was weird Ben I, I had one day I had one day I had a prawn um, pasta yeah with that I had an onion barge <laughs> right with that I had some chicken goujon <laughs> And on the side of that, I had a steak and cheese sandwich. <laughs> I mean, okay. come on, it was awful. But the, the cricket, the ground, the atmosphere, um, it was a brilliant match. Ebbed and flowed. Um, you know, wow. England came out of the traps with the early wickets. They were brilliant. They were on it. We, we've spoken about <clears throat> that first day at Lords when they won the toss and bowl. They did the same at Headingley. Yeah. Even though catches went down and, and you know, they, they are costing England, they won the test, they can't keep dropping chances. Uh, England were really on it, the body language, the intensity, and then Mitchell Marsh just uh, played a gem, you know, in that afternoon, and then England bounced back yeah, yeah. late in the day. Uh, throughout the whole game, it was like every time a team got in front, they'd allow the opposition back in, uh, and that kind of carried on right through to the last hour of play. It was... Uh, a brilliant, brilliant game of cricket. Also, also Mark Wood. Yeah. Mark Wood with the ball in his hand. Oh, what absolute Ooh. box office. I mean, I was wincing, you know, having been in that situation waiting yeah. to come in as a tail ender. Absolute, absolute box office. Around me. That was rapid. I, I mm. don't think I've seen, yeah. Mike, you could probably tell a bit better. I don't think I've seen quicker spells of bowling than that. That visibly shook the Australians, believe me. And that tail yeah. came rattled. Out. That, yeah, rattled them. It rattled them. And that rattled. tail came out. And, and listen, they they didn't fancy it, and that's what pace does to you. I mean, it, and it, and it wasn't it wasn't just banging billy yeah. stuff. It was pitch up swing. It swing. was good, but it was fantastic to see. But let's allow So since all the the numbers have been registered in, in international cricket, that was the no. quickest spell. Yeah, yeah, you know. So Mark Wood in the first thing, I think he averaged ninety point yeah. five miles an hour. The next quickest was Brett Lee in two thousand and five. I think at eighty nine point five. That's throughout whole. I think innings of bowling. So it was. I, I, I I've been around cricket for thirty odd years. I remember watching Mitchell Johnson bowl a spell. Cool. I think it was in Perth in two thousand and ten. That was Express. Um, yeah, I faced it a few half decent um, spells of quick bowling, but I've never seen a, 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 a bowler bowl as fast as Mark Wood. No, 
when I've been there watching live, that first spell that he bowled, the first over, he got one to 96.5 miles per hour. Yes. I mean, I, I've not seen anything yeah. as good. In the second innings when he was a bit um, tired, um, you know, he got to about 89, 90, but it's still quick. But that first innings, uh, yeah. that's the quickest that I've seen live. And, and you're talking about Headingley as well, Ben, you know, and Headingley bought into it as well. You know, the roar, he turns round, he goes, he's got that long run up, yeah, coming can... that down the hill. It was edgy estate stuff. If it was breathless, and some of those yeah, deliveries yeah. were zipping down, I tell you, I would not yeah, have fancied yeah. that. And he, and he solved a couple of problems because obviously we had uh, through the series so far, Kawaja hanging around cool. a bit too yeah. long, and also slightly struggling to get rid of the yeah. tail. Well, he dealt with both those situations, especially in the first. Absolutely. Yeah, and I don't, I, I don't think um, you know. You look at Cummins, who played so well at Edgebaston and looked so comfortable. You know, he's not going to look comfortable in the last two games. You know, he's not. Mitchell no. Stark, who, who's been a pest for England in the past, he, he can whack it. But against that kind of pace, I'm not too sure he's going to get too many. That's why I, I'm intrigued of, of the teams that yes. are going to be picked for Manchester. I mean, you look at Australia and Hazel definitely comes back in for Boland. And it's what do they do with Mitchell Marsh? He has to play. You know, you can't drop someone yeah, who's just got 100 and he got two key wickets. Cameron Green's fit, so he has to play. Tall bowlers at Old Trafford. There's two options that Australia could go. They could drop David Warner and rejig the batting lineup. They could push Marnus to open or potentially put one of the all-rounders up the top. Or they don't play the off-spinner. And they just pack the bat in and they just go full-out pace. If I was Australia against this England side, I think England love facing off-spin. And even yeah. though Nathan Lyon had a good uh, amount of success in the first game, it was down to England's kind of gung-ho approach. Uh, Todd yeah. Murphy, a young off-spinner, looked very, very promising. But, you know, you could see Australia were a little bit reluctant yeah. to bowling in that second. He inning. didn't get a lot of overs, No, and if, 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 if I was the Aussies, I'd just pack my bat in, pack my seam bowling and just... If, if, if you need a new tactic, just go to the bouncer tactic. No, you just kind of go for the bouncer fields that uh, we've seen so consistently. So, uh, yeah, I'm intrigued to see teams for Old Trafford. The England side yeah. as well is going to be interesting to see yeah. what they come up with. Yeah, because, I mean, Woods, obviously, uh, he has fitness concerns, so it's whether he can stay fit for the next two games. But if he, well, he plays he at can, Old Trafford, he's in the team. got a week off, yeah. he plays. Uh, yeah. the, 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 but then Wokes as well, another new guy, he, I mean, slightly eclipsed by Woods' performance, but he was great as well. Played fantastic. What a skillful bowler. Fantastic in England English conditions as well. Um uh, you know, and it was runs with Wood as well. Those runs and the runs that they gave, uh, Wokes gave England as well, all these mm. little bits and pieces. But he's a beautiful bowler, Chris Woods, very experienced now. He knows what he's doing, you know. And if there is something in the pitch and there is a little bit of overcast conditions, I can't think of anyone else you'd rather have doing your bowling. Let, let, let's get it straight, right? Yeah. Wokes plays. Wood yeah. definitely plays. Stuart Broad has to, has play. to play. He's led this attack he brilliantly. He's the leader of this attack. So there's your three. Ben Stokes isn't going to bowl much at all. Moeen Ali's going to play. He's probably going to stay at number three because it's moved Harry to number five. His position of strength, he looks so much better. He's not a number three at the minute. So it comes down to uh, Ollie Robinson, Jimmy Anderson or Josh Tung. I know who I'm picking. Tung. <laughs> and it's some, at Old Trafford. Uh, I'm not picking Jimmy Anderson at Old Trafford. I'm picking Josh Tung at Old Trafford. I just think he's got that yeah. pace. Um, he's bowled great. I thought he, you know, bowled so well at Lords that you know it was unfortunate that he, he missed out at um, at Headingley. 
I just don't think you can... Look, if, if they feel that Jimmy Anderson's bowling that well and the pitch is going to suit Jimmy Anderson, of course, Jimmy Anderson will get a game. But you can't pick on sentiment at all in the National yeah. Series. And Josh Tung, at the minute, Josh Tung is looking more of a threat than Jimmy Anderson was looking a week or so ago. Uh, whether the break would have done Jimmy the world a good, we'll have to wait and see. But uh, as we speak now, I'd be playing Tung for Raleigh Robinson and sticking the yeah. team as it is. Okay, on, while we're talking about selection, it, I mean, on the flip side, a lot of lot that was good uh, up at Headingley, but Johnny Bairstow is beginning to have a series to forget, right? Um, and those drop catches are really adding up. Uh, yes, they are. They are. Um, are you going to, you know, change a winning team? Um, I'm not sure. I don't think this. I don't think Stokes and uh, and McCullum will change it. I mean, folks could easily come in, but um, how many more times can these little catches down the leg side and things like that not hurt you? They hurt England in the first two test matches. Luckily enough, they sort of managed to overcome them, but uh, it's certainly going to be a a, a sort of a talking point. And with the bat, but you just feel that Johnny's got something with the bat. He's got one of those innings in him that can really change a test match. So I think they're still going to stick with him, but I think, I just don't think he's fit. I don't think he's fit after, you know, that horrific injury. I don't think he's played enough cricket, just sharp enough. I mean, he'll be better for the run out again, but uh, Mike... But we keep saying that, Phil, we keep saying that. You know, sometimes in Ashes cricket, actually the the more you go and and you've not done well, the harder it is. Because mentally, it's such a challenging series. It drains the life out of you because of the pressure, the expectation. Um, Look, I don't think England will change it, but what I will say to the England selectors is don't be scared of changing it if you feel it's right. Because I look at Headingley, and if you look at the players that did well at Headingley, Chris Wokes... Well, this is the thing, Let's right? well say, Ben, yeah. Chris Wokes has not been playing, so he came in fresh, fresh, fresh mentality. Mark Wood had not been playing, came in fresh mentality. Moen Alley didn't play at Lords, came in at Headingley, did okay, got the two key wickets of Labuschagne and Smith. For Australia, Mitchell Marsh, he said it himself that he scored a test century on his holidays. You know, so all the four players that came in fresh did well, so... England shouldn't be scared if they feel it's absolutely right. And, you you know, I'm sure that the, the coach, the captain would have looked Johnny Bairstow in the eyes and it's generally that kind of conversation that you have. And if it is that Johnny's gone, you know, and he's just, you know, yeah. struggling, don't be worried about it because yeah. he'll come back. He'll be back in the England side sooner than you know it. But you've got to get selection right. They've got to win the last two games. Yeah. And I don't think they'll win the last two games catching the way that they've caught so far. I think Australia will get them on at least one of the occasions. And the Aussie record at Old Trafford is pretty good. They play well there. They won here in 2019. And I think Australia will be better next week because Hazelwood replaced it. Boland's done nothing in the series. Hazelwood will be better than Boland. And I do think if they pack the batting, and they could have Alex Carey coming in at eight, and Mitchell Stark at nine, Pat Cummins at ten, England will have to get their selection right. Uh, I think they'll stay consistent, but don't be worried if they think it's the right thing for the team at this stage. A lot to make of half chances. A lot of half yeah, chances yeah. have gone down. I mean, we we we, we could be two one up. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, and obviously Johnny's getting a lot of the criticism, but they're you know most of the team. Well, not most of the team, but they're having a lot of drop catches uh, in the outfield as well. Is that something you can turn around quickly? Well, it's just pressure, isn't it? It's pressure. Um, 
you've just you've just got to try and hold on to them. It's as simple as that. You know what I mean? They, they, they... I, do, I don't think Phil. I don't think of all the England teams that I've seen. I don't think this Cordon's a great. No, Corden. well, no. When... You know, it's not a rock. You know, I used to remember when Strauss, Swan, yeah. Collingwood, three in there. That was and Pryor. Uh, yeah, difficult as at times, but there was a consistent cordon there for a while, which was yeah. rock solid. Um, I, I don't think this is a great no. cordon. Yeah, so they, they they won't catch everything, but they've got to catch a, a, a lot better than we've Just seen. Just those so little far. half chances. Mike, you um, you got that scoop about uh, yeah. Ali being promoted to three for the second innings. Uh, in one way, it didn't work uh, because he didn't get a whole lot of runs. But on the other hand, it freed up Harry Brook and he scored 75 off 93 batting at five. Um, could be a big moment for him that innings because he, he, he's now proved he can do it against the best bowlers and in a pressure situation. Uh, I think it was a masterstroke. I mean, it did work. All right, Moen didn't get many runs, but it worked because it got Harry Brook back to the position that he's more comfortable in. The first innings when he went out there at number three, let's be honest, he's not a number three. At the minute in his yeah. career, he's not a number three. Uh, and I think it was Moen Ali that actually went to Baz McCullum on the third night and said, I'll bat three. You know, so I think it was a, a really good call from Moen to identify that the team would be better with him yeah. at three and moves the youngster to number five. Um, you know, I'm sure Moen will stay there. I mean, it's, I, 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 look, I didn't care actually who went to number three. It was, a, it was irrelevant to me. It was almost like even if they'd have put Stuart Broad at three. <laughs> <laughs> just to have a whack for it. it. It didn't worry me. I just wanted Harry Brook back yeah. back at five. Um, and again, at Old Trafford, England, and I, I don't think they should be scared. All right, Moeen are probably back at three in the, in the first innings. But don't be scared of using someone else at three in the second innings if it's not working for Moeen. You've got to... And I think this England side are, are doing things out of the box anyway, which is very clever. And they're not worried yeah. about what it looks like if, say, Mark Wood batted at three in the second innings just to go out and have a swing for 10 balls, you know, I don't think they'll be kept worried about what we think or what people perceive that decision to be. Um, but I'm sure Moen will, will start at three in the first innings. And if they're chasing something, um, you pretty much know now at the toss what England are going to do. So it's like, you know, you know they're going to bowl, you know they're going to try and chase. Um, and they've just got to be clever in in terms of putting the, the right plays out there at the, the right times. But it was a very, very smart move and it got to... It got Harry right into his position of number five, which was... Uh, he's got, he's got ice in his veins. We, we interviewed him on, on the ground after after the game and he's just come up like, all right, that's all right, I'm so bad. You know? and I was, he, he didn't have a bead of sweat on him. He, he was just cruising around with a great big sort of smile on his face, played wonderfully well, done it on some sort of flat pitches in Pakistan, hasn't he, and what have you. But you're right, to do it there in that cauldron and get your team over the line, I mean, you know, you just sit back in your bed after and goes, listen, I, I, I can do this. Phil, I'll tell you, I, I, I thought Australia got their tactics completely wrong. When, once Bairstow yeah. was out, if you look at the way that they bowled to Chris Wokes, yeah. they almost allowed him to get to 20 on the front foot. He edged a few. They should have just gone bouncing yeah. straight away. You know, just you know, I'm amazed that the Aussies didn't realise that the only way that um, Wokes was going to play was be aggressive. Yeah. You know, and he likes to drive more than the pull shot. We saw him in the first innings get into problems playing the pull shot. I was staggered that the others just didn't bounce Chris Wokes straight away. They almost allowed, I think he got to about 24. 
before they started bouncing him. It was um, it was very strange yeah. tactics. Now they know they're in a fight now, the Aussies, and it, you know momentum. There was a week off and all this kind of stuff, and it all you know the test starts again, and you're all fresh and what have you. Well, they're not that fresh. They've got some overs in their legs. I tell you now, the Aussies. Well, they're playing golf. They've gone a few of them gone golfing in Scotland this week, so they've done what England did before the first <laughs> test. It's all about golf. <laughs> yeah. Just play golf. It was yet another sensational test at Headingley, and one person who certainly has a few fond memories of Leeds is the England spinner Jack Leach, who joins us now. Jack, welcome to the podcast. Uh, first things first, commiserations on your injury. Uh, are you on the mend, and how hard has it been watching the Ashes from afar? Um, yeah, thanks. Yeah, um... Obviously not. It wasn't good timing um, with the injury, but um, I guess it never is. Um, and yeah, I'm feeling good um, in terms of I'm not in too much pain. I was obviously in that game, um, and since I've stopped bowling, it's kind of eased off nicely. And um, now I'm sort of into the rehab stage, I guess, and um, just focusing um, on what's to come, I guess. Um, and yeah, it's been uh, it's, it's kind of a bit of both, I guess. I've I've loved watching the guys like carrying on. Um, I guess what we what we've been trying to do over the last year or so, and um, you know they've made me feel really part of it, even though I haven't um, been playing. So I've been around the group at Lords and um, hoping to get to a, the next couple as well, so um, I can kind of go and see the physios and do my rehab stuff, but also say hi to the lads and um you know give them hopefully a bit of positive energy and um yeah no it's um it's just been great to watch them um do their thing but obviously yeah from a personal point of view it was a series that I um was really looking forward to I think we all were having come off the back of really good performances and um you know I think it was the first time that I was maybe really relishing that challenge of of playing um, the Aussies I mean think back to when we were in Oz and um, just looking back just did not feel ready for that at all and um, yeah I guess I felt a lot more ready for for the challenge and was looking forward to seeing how I could how I could do so it's a shame but it's um, that's professional sport it's a cliche but yeah it is and um, just got to focus on what's next and you know I think um, something Stokes he said to us after the Ireland game to, talking about the Ashes was you know we're on a journey and this is not the end of the journey after this series so um, I guess that was kind of a good thing for me to hear when I was my yeah. back was ragging and I was thinking I'm probably not going to be in this series was actually um, you know I've, I, I can now start to focus on on what's next which will be India um, and you know that's where all my focus will be. Jack Tuffers here. How are you, mate? Good, mate. Thank. Uh, yeah, I'm good. I'm good. Good man. Good man. Um, must be so frustrating, you know. I mean, you're a big part of this England side, and then, as you say, to get that, uh, how how do you deal with that mentally? You know what I mean? It's all good being around the guys and what yeah. have you, but um, yeah, how do you sort of like put that in a box and move forward? Because I mean, it's quite a serious injury, isn't it? A stress fracture. Yeah. No, it is. I think. Um, mentally I think to be honest Stokesy and Baz have helped me um, 
with the mental side of the game. Um, and I guess that's helped me off the pitch as well in, in life as well. You know, you've got to take the rough with the smooth. And I think it's been about not getting too up and too down um, with anything that comes your way in cricket. But that's the same, I guess, in life. And it would be wrong to kind of have that mindset um, on the pitch. But then as soon as something goes wrong off it, you kind of um, don't have that same sort of outlook. So I think I think he's... Um, the whole mindset of how we're looking to play our cricket, um, take the positive option, you know, all these kind of things. Um, I've definitely used them in my life as well. So, um, you know, I, I thank them for that. And, um, and I think I've, I'm surprised how well I've kind of maybe I'm dealing with it. There's still, there's low days for sure. Like when I feel like oh, I'd love to be out there now or, you know, um, but you kind of, um, there's no point in kind of dwelling on that. It's kind of like um, looking forward, I guess, to to what's next. So, 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 so do, you, do you sort of take this baseball mentality into your daily day life? Sort of going to IKEA on a Sunday, sort of out there <laughs> smashing it around in the aisle. <laughs> yeah, I do. I do. To be honest, like. I know Baz hates basketball, but like for me, like it's really like the mentality has really helped me just in general life um, for sure. Like, um, and the way we've chatted as a group, you know, there's, there's so many, you know, and we, you know, played golf together and, you know, there's examples of it in golf and um, no, definitely. I think um, <laughs> it is, um, it has helped me for sure. And um, that's why I've been, um, I guess, such an advocate of it and um, feel like it's a real powerful thing that, that people can um, use to help them in any walk of life, I guess. Mm, yeah. Can you give us some insight into how Brendan and, and Ben have achieved that? Because it's all very well saying be positive, but it's quite yeah. hard to actually implement that. How have they done that? It's a great question. I think. And it's one that I hard I find hard to explain to people. I think, you know, sports about how you feel, I think. And, you know, a lot of the, the things that happen is like it's about you get a feeling and it's the way they make you feel rather than necessarily um the words that they use. You know, I think there's something very powerful about um, people saying things and then actually backing up with their actions and um, then you start to really believe it and um, that's definitely been the case uh, with those two um, I think that makes it an authentic thing um, and yeah I think um, just the care that they've shown for every individual in that group um <coughs> has been amazing and um yeah in terms of how they've done it I think um they've been pretty consistent with their team selections you know it feels like quite a close-knit group now um and you know maybe maybe when you guys are calling for um someone to be dropped or you know they've actually stood firm with certain decisions and I think that really grows like the confidence in the group um because again, like it's very easy for a coach to say, oh, I'm going to do what I want to do, but I'm not going to listen to the outside 
Um, but then it's then when that's backed up with the actions, I think guys start to really feel something special. So um, yeah, that that's definitely one way. Uh, Jack Vaughan here. Um, I know this is a podcast and most people are listening, but in, in respect and, and honour of you, me, Phil and Ben have worn our glasses. <laughs> now, we're slightly disappointed that you haven't. Where are they? Yeah. Um, well, actually, I, it's a good point because I think my – I don't know where my cricket kit is at the moment, but my <laughs> glasses are in my cricket kit. And um, I don't know where they are because after the Ireland game, they were going to – Edgebaston, and obviously I didn't turn up at Edgebaston, so there's somewhere in the country, but um, <laughs> what I'm not sure where. So you don't know where your cricket kit is? Not at the moment, no, because I don't need it. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, so yeah, at some point I'll um, need to need to find that. <laughs> now let, let, let's talk day four, Headingley. Uh, obviously you were right in the action in 19. Um, the, the greatest probably most famous one night out in the history of uh, Test cricket. Uh, where were you day four this time? I was sat at home watching um, on my sofa um, and I was actually listening and watching. I, I really enjoy, and I'm, this sounds a bit like I'm sucking up, but um, I do enjoy the TMS commentary, um, especially... Man. I just find it a little bit more soothing. I can kind of go in and out. Whereas if I get too much on the TV, I kind of get engrossed and my missus can get quite annoyed with me because I, um, I literally don't know anyone's there in the room. So, um, yeah, I think, um, listening to you guys just keeps me on a, on a nice, uh, even place where I'm not too in it. So, uh, yeah, so I was, uh, I was just watching at home and, um, yeah, it was, um, great to watch when 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 was it so i was on comms when johnny got out up until johnny got out i was telling everyone don't worry this is done this is over when johnny got out i was like oh shit (laughs) i I think i think i was similar i felt i i was so confident about the chase as to be honest again like all the games so far i've been confident um you know, heading into that final stages of the game that we would get it done. And obviously the first couple, we didn't manage to do it. And um, yeah, I think, um, but again, I think that's a reflection of of where, you know, the confidence that we've got in the side, because I think um, previously, if we were chasing 250, we probably wouldn't have much confidence from the start. Um, So actually to have that confidence, you know, um, for such a long time, period and then obviously yeah Johnny gets out but then I I said to my mate I was like Wokesy Wokesy's gonna get it done Mr. Cool like um and um yeah obviously Wokesy and then to have Woody coming in after he'd done what he'd done first innings I was listening on the radio when after lunch and I was thinking oh god we're not in a great position here and Woody came out and did that and I was like oh he's just changed the momentum like that and then Stokes, he did his thing, and ah, oh, it's just brilliant. Do you know, Jack? It's interesting that this England side. I mean, it's five times now in the last year that you've chased over two fifty in the last innings of a game to win. As a spinner, mm. and I'll ask both you and Phil. Generally, as a spinner, you want to be bowling last. But this England kind of side, they've become a, a one-day kind of style chasing Test team. Um, how yeah. does that affect you as a spinner when you kind of arrive thinking, well, well we're probably going to have to bowl? 
because we preferred a chase in that last inning. Does that affect you at all as a spin bowler? Um, yeah, I, I, well, I think one thing I was, I, I felt like they needed to get uh, Murphy into the innings sooner than maybe what they did, like in that sort of chase, because if, you know, if they got it under, like if we got it under a hundred, you know, and then Murphy comes on and goes for, you know, um, a couple of big overs, then it's, you know, and, and uh, so I think it actually made it hard to, to bowl the spin. I remember last year when we were chasing at Headingley with Bracewell and it was like a dry pitch, but, you know, we like played him really, really well on, and um, almost didn't allow him to, to bowl. And, um, I think, yeah, it's it's just people are playing differently now, I guess. And um, so you, maybe the way you're going to take wickets is slightly different. It's not going to be a court bat pad or, um, you know, these kind of like little ones around the bat. It might be caught a long off or a long on. Um, <laughs> If Stokes, he lets me have a long off or a long off. <laughs> um, but no, I think um, I was chatting to Mo about it and then we both sort of agreed, like actually sometimes having that more attacking feel can make you bring more out of you in terms of the ball that you, you bowl, in terms of the energy you have to get on it because you're trying to beat guys to to hit your fielders. And actually if you're mid-offs out and you're mid-offs on, uh, you're mid on and mid off or out and you've got lots of sweepers you can sometimes bowl a little bit defensively to that so um you know this whole mindset of taking wickets has been like really really good for for me um you know and yeah it just it just changes how you kind of look at the game and you're not so you're not playing with like trying to not go for runs which again is just maybe not a negative mindset not to say that you don't want to bowl tight um i think there's a lot of kind of um um think opposite ends i'm not sure i can't think of the word um but you know almost like sometimes the more you try to win the further you get away from it like the more you uh try not to go for runs the more runs you go for it's like actually trying to flip flip things the other way and um, trusting that you know your skills will come out in having that more um, kind of free mindset I think You've obviously got a, a great relationship with Stokesy I mean you can see it on the field Jack you know and, and he's, he's brought this sort of mindset out of you he's, he's some cricketer isn't he and some oh. captain Yeah he's um I just really look up to him. I think um, just to see, you know, some of the things he's done in this series, um, it's it's hard to, again, it's one of those things it's hard to explain. It's just the way he makes you feel like, and he does make you feel like you want to run through a brick wall for him because you know that he would do that for you. And that like feels weird that Ben Stokes would run through a, brick wall for Jack Leach like what I don't get it but (laughs) he would and that is like it again it's like he's not just saying things he he does them and he lives them yeah I mean me me and Phil have a a bit of a chuckle about this 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 kind of huge positivity that comes out the England dressing room 
You know, everything is, we're going to win 3-2. We can chase this. We will do this. Whereas back in our day, you wouldn't dare. <laughs> you, you wouldn't dare publicly state that you were going to, you know, come back from 2-0 down. You just kind of hope that it happens and quietly try and get about your business. What is yeah. it that happens in this team room or in this dressing room that gets you what? Because every, you know, Brody and, um, and, and Jimmy have, have been around the block and, I'm not saying they're grumpy to all fast bowlers, but they are two <laughs> grumpy to all fast bowlers. <laughs> and their mindset yeah. and their positivity and everyone that I speak to around the camp are so positive. How have they mm. kind of got you all in this room and got you all speaking in this uh, this positive sense all the time? And so quickly as well. Uh, yeah. It, Do they give it, you tablets? It is. <laughs> <laughs> Um, no, but I think, you know what, we talk a lot, like before play, after play, there's a lot of like us kind of talking as a group and we're always, so they're always pushing us in that direction, I guess. And like, don't get me wrong, in the last year, I've had times where I've walked off the field and gone, that's a bad day. Like, Baz can't be positive about that. And so like, what are they going to say? And then I, I walk out at the end of the day and I walk back to the hotel and I'm like, ah, oh, it's fine. We just get tough two wickets in the morning and we're fine. Like, and it is an amazing thing. I've never like experienced before. And, and, um, yeah, I, I, that's all I can really, um, say on it. I mean, cause don't get me wrong. Like some of the, you know, I would have used to have probably think, oh, that's arrogant, like, to <laughs> say those kind of things. Like, you need to, like, and I think it's quite an English thing, is we need to, like, be quite um, modest and, um, you know, and, and I think that's maybe where I've seen the change in, you know, I think back to when we went to Australia and lost 4-0 and we weren't in any of them games at all. We should have lost 5-0 if it wasn't for the rain. So, um and we were very modest and kind of, but we basically didn't believe in ourselves. And I think that's where you realize that actually like it's about believing in yourself. And sometimes you need to talk that up a little bit more um, and that's okay. And, uh, you know, it doesn't mean that you're going to be taking your eye off the ball or, you know, um, and, and I'm sure there's, it's frustrating for, for you guys at times is like, um, you see certain things and um, you know think oh these guys are um, not um, focused enough or you know but I think um, they like I think we are and I think actually like sometimes the the alternative of what it would be like is actually a more negative in your shell one where you know and you can't half do something you've got to fully commit I think and um you know I think as we go through this journey hopefully you know we'll get smarter and smarter with how with this positivity because you know you look at Stokesy and actually when we're when he goes in at 400 for five he usually hits one straight up (laughs) Whereas when he goes in at a hundred for five, he will take his time, do what he needs to do and then go at the right time. So again, very smart with what he's doing. Um, And I think he is the greatest example for all of us to try and look up to is actually 
what does this situation require of me? And if we are going well, actually, I'm going to push this game on. I'm not going to spend time just the game going nowhere. I'm going to push it on. But now this is a time for me to just soak it in a little bit and then go. But it's always doing everything within the game in a positive way. So even if you need to soak up a bit of pressure, do that in a positive way. And then so so it's it's um, playing the game like and being completely in the moment and working out what the game requires of you. And I think Stokesy is the best example of that for all of us. And it's like, Jack, in, in this England are 2-0 down, now 2-1, but 2-0 down, they're all saying it's going to be 3-2. Um, you know... <laughs> It's only ever been done once before in the history of Ashes cricket, and that was when a certain Bradman was playing back in the 1930s. But there's something about, obviously, winning at Headingley, you just got to win one game at a, a time, but there's something about what this England side are doing and the way that they speak that... Look, I, 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 I used to think I was quite a, I was quite a positive player, but I, it, I'm a bit of a cynic as well, and I go, oh, it, it, can't be, it can't be possible. But the more I keep hearing that it's going to happen... The more I'm getting, like, I think I'm in your team. I'm like, the cult is getting me. <laughs> it's almost, it's almost like I'm arriving at Old Trafford next week and thinking, well, England will win there. It'll be 2-1. They'll go the week after the over. Yeah, it'll be 3-2 and they'll be celebrating on a bus ride. It's, it, it, it's got me, but it's, it's obviously not just going to happen, is it? It's, it's about delivering no. performance and to, to hold the nerve on the last day at Headingley. Would that dressing room, because I know dressing rooms that I'd have been playing playing it, and and oh, oh. let's be honest, the dressing room would have been absolute nervous wreck, chasing any score, two 0 down, have to win. What would it have been like inside that dressing room when the chase was on? Um, I think. Well, I think Stokesy said that he was pacing the dressing room uh, for the last twenty runs. So, you know, that shows actually how much he wants to <laughs> wants to win. You know? and, and, and shows um, he's human as well. <laughs> And shows that he's human. So, um, yeah, I think, but I think it, there's a, at the start of the day, we would have felt a lot of confidence. And, um, you know, I think maybe as the day goes on, then you start, you know, there's situations that um, you're in when Johnny gets out and you're thinking, oh, this could be tough. But then um, again, it's then the people of people who are out there having a clear mind to go and do what they need to do. So there, Wokesy and um, Brookie, um, you know, got the job, got the job done um, in terms of what they needed to do for the game at that point. So, um, yeah, I think, I think what it is, is, is actually just, we always see the positives in where we're at, which obviously was, two nil down so the only positive thing to think about is what an opportunity to try and win three two and then okay now we've made it two one can we imagine the oval at two two like <laughs> and, and and that's the kind of motivating factor that we use to kind of fuel our performances i guess and um so you know and but we know that australia are going to come back hard so you know there's all these things in our way but actually how good would it be to go to the Oval 2-2? And let's go and see if we can do it. Not, we're going to definitely do it. We are unbelievable. We're arrogant, blah, blah, blah. It's not that kind of thing. It's more, let's see what we can do. Like, let's see if we can make it 2-2. And then, wow, how good would the Oval be? Uh, throwing it forward to Old Trafford, 
Jack, yeah. is there any little insight? Have you been up there this summer, or what's it? What's it? Uh, what's the pitch like up there? I I, I wouldn't have a clue, but usually um, I love playing at Old Trafford. I think it's um, usually a good cricket wicket. Well, probably one of the best in the country in terms of um, feels like everyone's in the game um, early on. Maybe does a little bit for the seamers and. Um, good batting track but then um, can spin like you get big kind of footholds there um, yeah. so um, and usually a bit of bounce so um, um, yeah I think um, it should be it's all made for a good test match obviously a great atmosphere usually there I think um, the old traffic was a test after heading in 19 and I walked out and um, to a standing ovation and I think everyone had their <laughs> shoes off and was drinking out their shoes so um yeah hopefully more of the same and um yeah i think um we we tend to like playing up up north um those yeah. sort of grounds seem to um be good for us and um the the crowd is just epic up up in those places yeah just just on that sorry phil just on that yeah. you, you say the england side and and the england sides i played and used to love the the head and at edgebaston's old trappers because it's a bit raucous it's like the football yeah. Yeah. style and it's great Going to 2027, there's no test match up north. What mm-hmm. do you feel as... I mean, you'll still be twirling them away by 2027, Jack, I'm oh, pretty yeah. sure. You'd, you'd, you'd want to be playing up north, wouldn't you, for at least one of the games? Yeah, definitely. I think... Oh, yeah, I think home advantage... You want to make the most of home advantage, don't you? And um, those grounds, you definitely feel like uh, you've got potentially that um i think about going to australia and the amount of stick i got um or we all got um there um and maybe those those grounds you feel like the opposition gets it a little bit like you get it when you go to that place and um i think that actually can make a big difference um you know they talk about the crowd being like a 12 man and i think um those places it definitely definitely is so um, yeah, I think that's um, that's a shame, and um, I get. I don't know what the reasons are if you have to have cricket at different places or or what it is, but um, it's usually it's a well, 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 it's, it's like a it's like a rotor system that's great. But I, I always say this, and I have for many many years. The Ashes are the series that we all kind of play for. You know, that's what you build up yeah. to. And I've always thought that the captain, the coach or the management at that time uh, should be able to choose the venues. Obviously, Lords and the Over, yeah. you're not going to change that. But the other three venues, particularly look at Henley, 1981, 2019, now 2023. England's record at Henley is such a, a special one. Um, yeah, I'm yeah. absolutely staggered that you wouldn't want to play there in 2027. Yeah. Just play, just play all five at Headingley, isn't it? Perfect, perfect. <laughs> just get a few yeah, tents, park, you know, park up in the local park, and then just stay there for seven Spot weeks. On. Yeah, yeah. Jack, we've we've mentioned Stokes's batting, and uh, he's obviously uh, had a couple of great knocks in this series, but the number one knock was Headingley 2019. And I know you're going to be asked about this almost probably till your dying day. Uh, and I hope you don't get bored of it. But can you give us some sort of insight what it's like being out there with him, what he's sort of saying and what how he's going about chasing down a total like that? Uh, yeah, I think um, I, well, I'd obviously watched him in 
2019 in the World Cup final about a month before. And um, yeah, I don't know. I always thought Stokes, he was like of just a sort of playoff instinct, um, you know, not much thought. And actually with that innings, I just realised how how clever he was with, um, you know, which bowler he was going to target, um, to which boundary, uh, when was the right time to go. Obviously, he had the plan of me facing one or two balls and over. And so, but actually be ready for the two. So there was a lot of tactics um, involved in it and a lot of thought. And then actually, once he's done that thinking, then when he's facing the ball, off instinct and um, play some unbelievable shots. So, um, yeah, but very kind of calm. Um, you know, we didn't, this feels a long time ago now, but I don't remember us talking a lot in between. Um, just kind of, um, yeah, I don't know. And I, I kind of, that was the most focused I ever felt on a cricket field. Like, I just, you know, he made my job very clear. You know, I had to face one or two balls. So every one that I faced was like a event. And I was like, right, whatever you do, don't get out. Um, (laughs) And um, the only time I got distracted was when I saw him leaning over his back, not watching me face. And I thought, (laughs) you're joking, aren't you? And then like, (laughs) you've got no confidence. And then, um, and then I thought, shit he's running in I better quickly be watching so um, yeah that was the only time I got um, got a little bit distracted but um, yeah um, he was just you know and even what he said afterwards you know and I could feel that was you know he would rather he got out than than me because you know he'd know it would affect me more than him and like for him to sort of I don't know just be that loyal sort of teammate um, is amazing and um yeah something that I really look up to he said that after after the game was finished yeah yeah and that's why he couldn't watch was because he was worried about me getting out and obviously that um I think I was in my fourth test match or something so um you know how that would affect me um you know he'd rather be the guy to get out um so yeah, I was surprised when he tried to run me out uh, when the Nathan Lyon dropped it, but no, nah, he didn't. He still claims that he was um, not running, and I claim that he was, but it's fine. What was, Jack, Jack, just quickly on that, you know that that, that run out when they threw it at Jack, um, threw it the Nathan Lyon. Yeah. When you were then sort of like turning round and and sort of trying to get back into your ground, what was what was going through your mind? Honestly, like. <laughs> I was shaking after that ball and like um, Stokes, he came back down, it came down to me at the end of the over and I was obviously going to have to face six balls because we hadn't got a single that over and um, I was shaking, the, the the sweat was just dropping onto my glasses and so I was like trying to clean them and I, I like couldn't get my helmet back on and he was like helping me and like, <laughs> oh, it was, yeah, it was a shambles but that was... Um, you know, I think it was a good lesson that actually the best moments in sport, there's usually quite a lot of luck along the way. And actually, so you have to take um, the rough with the smooth. And um, yeah, I think, um, you know, I I came out of that so well that day, but I could have easily been hated after it. So um, yeah, no, um, I just um, stoked to see what a, what a knock that was. 
Right, Phil, do you want to... Yes. Phil, this is the biggest either part... Or. Load up your either or. This is the biggest yeah. part of the podcast, Jack. Okay. This, this, is what, this is quite stressful for you. Okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah. God. More, more sweat yeah. tripping down God. Yeah. Okay. Right, okay, here we go then, Jack. First one, um, strike rate or economy rate? Ooh. Uh, it's, I assume when I'm bowling, strike rate. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, strike rate. Strike rate. Love it. Next one. Um, five for 66 versus New Zealand at Headingley or that one not out? <laughs> um, we won those games. I think I'm going to go with five for 66. I am a bowler. <laughs> and if I could do the same thing 10, 10 more times I'd take 10 more fifers than 10 yeah. more one not out <laughs> <laughs> good shout um, Taunton or Headingley um, I'll go for Well, I'll go. For, I'll go for Headingley. Go on, Jack. Wow, I <laughs> done some big stuff there, mate. I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised. Right now, this is an interesting one. Um, least enjoyed bowling at the Gabba or bowling at the MCG? Gabba. Gabba. Gabba oh, was the worst experience of my life. Really? <laughs> why? What? What? Why? Just, just, just how it came out. Oh yeah. Yeah, it was not good. And um, no. yeah, I remember getting a lot of abuse on the... Uh, actually, I got a lot of abuse everywhere, but um, <laughs> a lot of abuse. And I remember feeling pretty low and thinking... Um, I, I remember thinking, oh, at least, I, at least I get paid well for this when some Aussie was <laughs> chirping me. And then I got off the field after the game and we were five overs down on overrate and they said, you're not getting paid anything. You've been fined 100% of your match fee. And I was like, wait, so I've done all of that for free. <laughs> but that was that was the tour where you played on the green tops but you didn't play on the pitch that actually spun at Adelaide <laughs> I oh no it didn't work out well um, no. no it was um, it didn't work out well in that way but um, just a, a good tour to write off and try and not forget uh, well try and forget as Brody said, the uh, the ashes it's void, it's void. Don't, so <laughs> Doesn't count. It's all been wiped yeah. off, so you can forget yeah. about that one. Yeah. Right, last one then, mate. As well, last one. You done know, very well. Um, an extra net session or a round of golf? <laughs> I'm not would, a fan of golf, are you? <laughs> I I'm trying to get into golf, uh, but now I can't oh, yeah. into my back. Uh, but um, I would, I'd be lying if I didn't say an extra net session but Baz would want me to play golf because <laughs> he knows because he knows and he's dead right that um a golf uh you know a golf um a round of golf would probably be better for me mentally than a another net session so <laughs> not bad Jack. Yeah, it's kind of extraordinary, though, isn't it? England coach, rather you play around the golf than have well, a session. Well, not not just play golf all the time, but he knows that I've done enough that I don't need 
yeah. to do too much, you know, and actually I, he's, he's dead right because I've had loads of times in my career where I've overtrained and overthought about it and bowled worse because of it, you know. Um, and he, he's all about, you know, saving your good stuff for the, for the game and doing enough that you're, you're in that sweet spot ready to um, give your best. So I don't disagree with him at all. How, how, did, how, does he, how does he gauge whether you've done enough, though? Does he, does he leave that to you, to, to you to decide? Or does he have a, have a view on what enough is enough? He, he leaves it for you to decide. Like, there's, there's, if you want extra, you can have extra. But um, I guess he'll just, um, you know, make sure you're doing it for the right reasons. Um, and there's a point to it. Because I think we do a lot of training where it's just because that's what we've always done. Um, what are we trying to get out of it? Like, what what do we need to be ready to perform in the middle? And I think um, that's what he'll always try and um, make sure we're getting right rather than, you know, I've, I've done so much training in my life where it's been because I'm worried about how I'm going to perform. And I'm like, <clears throat> I'll just do more and more. And then you're actually going into the game tired because you've done um, too much. Um, so, I think I think um yeah it's been that's been a really good viewpoint for a lot of us is actually just um knowing when we've done enough and and we've got such a build up of of training over our careers that actually um you know it is just about making sure our bodies are ready to go and um yeah I mean I still do way too much but um it's it's just good to have that kind of voice of of reason I guess um where it's saying, no, you're right, because your voice in your head is going, do more, like, you need, this is a test match, this is really important, um, people are going to be um, questioning you, you need to do it, and, and and again, if you're training in that mindset, I don't think you're going to be free to get the best out of yourself, so I think um, he's always that voice kind of saying, no, you're good, like, you're in a good spot, so, um, yeah, he's been really good for me. Leachie, uh, last one, um, is it going to be three two to England? <laughs> um, it could be. Um, <laughs> we'll see. I think um, we've uh, we. You yeah, need, you need a, to have um, one of those tablets because you would have said it will be if you'd have had a tablet. <laughs> no, because it's harder when you're on when you're not able to uh, influence it. So, um, yeah, I, I would. Um, I don't see why not. I think, you know, we've won some, you know, when we've got on a roll before, we've kind of won a lot of games in a row. So um, let's see what happens. But um, it's going to be exciting whatever happens. You know that. Yeah. Brilliant. Yeah, it'll be fun to watch. Jack, thank you so much for your time. Been Cheers, brilliant chatting lads. with you. Been Cheers, good Jack. Fun. Thank you. Right, we're joined, as usual, by Nick Holt, the Telegraph Chief Cricket Correspondent. England, so uh, I understand they've just named their squad, an unnamed squad for Old Trafford. Do you think we'll end up with the same starting eleven? Uh No, I think Jimmy Anderson will probably play for Josh Tung. Uh, sorry, for Ollie Robinson. Um, it's between Josh Tung and, and, and Jimmy. I'd be astounded if they didn't pick Jimmy Anderson on his home ground. Um, Actually, Jimmy looked pretty sharp uh, bowling at Headingley on Sunday um, in the nets and, and during the lunch breaks. Uh, the break's probably done him good. I spoke to him yesterday uh, and he feels that he's, he feels he's 
recharge the body a little bit. He's got over his disappointing first two tests. Uh, he says the pitch at Old Trafford yeah. is going to be hopefully similar to Headingley. So um, that may suit him more as well than obviously the first two that he played on. Yeah, yeah. And Ollie Robinson, he obviously was having those back spasms. Has he not recovered from that? Or is the expectation that he won't recover in time for Old Trafford? I think it's, uh, I think given his history uh, with those back spasms, he had a similar problem in the Caribbean uh, on Joe Root's last tour and didn't actually manage to make an appearance. So I think they're very wary uh, of rushing him back from those uh, back spasms because the last thing they want right. to be is a bowler down, obviously. Um, so they were, we were told that he would mm. bowl uh, in the uh, Australia second innings, but he didn't. And so you just wonder whether that was a little bit of sort of kidology on England's part. I expect he'll take a break. The plan probably was for Stuart Broad to not play, but obviously he's bowling so brilliantly. The Ashes fever has taken over him again and he's got David Warner on toast again. So he will definitely play. So I imagine that the only <laughs> change will be, uh, will, be Broad, uh, will be Anderson for Robinson. And Chris Wokes, obviously, you can't leave him out, can you, after that performance at Lord, at, um, at Headingley? Yeah, Wokes and Wood. Yeah, yeah, both both play brilliantly. Obviously, the, the slight concern with Woods is that he, he struggles to string multiple tests together because of his uh, problems with injury. So is there any, any news about whether his elbow is holding up? Apparently, the elbow was fine, and, and that was a major worry because he was reporting pain in the elbow when he bowled at Lords, which is only a week before. Um, but he seems to yeah. have gone got through the test match fine. He spoke to us all after the game uh, on Sunday. He was confident that he can play uh, the rest of the series because he uh, he's done it before. Uh, he doesn't see why he can't do it again. Um, and obviously... With five bowlers, the option is that you can bowl him in short bursts um, rather than having him bowl long yeah. spells, which is what happened on the last Ashes tour, actually, towards the end of that series. He was bowling a lot of overs, um, and that took its toll. And this time, I think they're just going to use him in short bursts. I mean, he bowled, I think it was seven in a row uh, towards the end of the Australia yeah. uh, second innings, which was a surprise at the time. Um, and you did worry, here we go again with Mark Wood. But... Um, Obviously, with a break in mind, uh, that was probably uh, why they did it. So, yeah, I expect Mark Woods go to, to be fit and fiery for the next test. The question will be whether he's still standing upright by the time they get to the Oval. And clearly he was sort of box office on the pitch, but he was also a good value offer. He seemed to be uh, having a lot of fun in the press conferences and the interviews after the match. Uh, is he one of the more entertaining players to interview? Absolutely. I think he's probably the most entertaining player to interview in the England team that I've ever dealt with. I mean, you never know what's going to come out of Woody's mouth next. And uh, he's a bit different as well from all the <laughs> others because I, I spoke to him earlier this summer and he, he, uh, talking about golf. And he said, well, I'm the only non-golfer and the only teetotaler in the team, apart from obviously when Mo came back. So, you know, he says, I, I do set apart. I have to do a lot of uh, driving around for, for Ben Stokes. Um, so... He, <laughs> He, but he's he's universally liked. He's he's lively company. Uh, he does have his downs, you know. He he can get he can beat himself up a little bit off the you know off the field when he's had a bad day. Uh, so he does need picking up. Um, but yeah, he's been a he's an absolute live wire, and there's nothing better than watching him steaming in. And the Aussies have got a lot of respect for him. Actually, uh, it was interesting after the press conference on uh, on on day one when he took the wicket. Um, uh, there was a little session where, little moment where he walked past Pat Cummins in the corridor at, at Headingley, and uh, you know Pat Cummins was very respectful and said, "Well, bold mate, that was awesome." So you know they don't always say right. that to England bowlers. So yeah, there's a lot of respect there. For that. <laughs> 
Yeah, fair enough. And what are you what are you picking up from the Australians? Are they just sort of dusting themselves down? They're obviously Pat Cummings is still bullish, still pointing out that Australia are two one up, but uh, it's got to take a bit of a hit to their confidence losing the way they did. Yeah, and I think it's interesting. Marnus Labuschagne's in a really interesting position because his wicket in the second innings really sparked the turnaround. I mean, they had they had. Yeah. Almost two hands on the Ashes urn at that point. Um, so and he's struggling, and he he's really looks in a bad way mentally uh, at the moment. Uh, I don't think Steve Smith has played that brilliantly, apart from his hundred at Lords. Um, last time, if you remember, after they lost that game at um, uh, at Headingley, they uh, they had a county match at Derby. And that really brought them all back together again. This time they're doing it slightly differently. They're all disappearing all over the place. Quite a few of them have actually gone to Europe for breaks with their families because they've all got their wives and uh, children with them um, to completely get away from it all. So it'll be interesting to see whether that, that works and clears their mind. But yeah, they're two one up. And England really know that they've got to, they need a little bit of luck and have to play at 100% all the time to beat this, this Australian side. Um, but, yeah, I think they, they definitely needed a break. Pat Cummins, I think, himself looked pretty shot by the end of the Test match physically. Um, so he needs he needs that break, definitely. And uh, I don't know whether he's going overseas, Pat, because his family's wife's from Yorkshire, so I don't know whether he's actually stayed in, the, in this country or not. <laughs> and the England side, what, how are they using this? Because this is probably the biggest break because, obviously, the Test finished uh, a day early and they've uh, they've got a big break before Old Trafford as well. Um, so it's probably the biggest break in the series. How are uh, England planning to use that time? Most of them will be playing golf, probably, and having, a, having put in their feet up. Uh, Moen <laughs> Ali said that uh, said that he's going to get in the nets, have a bit more practice, because he's obviously expected to probably stay at number three now. Um, Jimmy Anderson said to me yesterday that he's going to go in for a bowl this week. Uh, I suspect Josh Tung will be doing the same. Uh, the rest of the guys... I would be surprised if they do anything until uh, Monday morning, which is when they're due to net at Old Trafford. There was talk of them netting on Sunday, but I think that's been cancelled now that they will they'll net on Monday instead. You can bet your life the others will be there over the weekend. Yeah, yeah, I bet. Well, great, Nick. In, enjoy your time off between the tests. I'm sure you're uh, you're you're still working hard, but uh, good to talk to you as usual. Cheers. Thanks. thanks ben. And, of course, there have been two other Ashes wins since last we spoke. The women uh, in their T20 matches at the Oval and Lords. Uh, did you guys get yes. a chance to watch those? Yeah, yeah, I watched them both. Yeah, good games. I mean, uh, Alice Capsey in that uh, second game at Lords. Um, yeah, that was, uh, that was an impressive knock. Uh, she's going to be around for a long time. And, and, the, and they're still in it. Yeah. There's three 50-over games to go. They've got to win them all, starting yeah. at Bristol. On Wednesday, um, I don't think the, the, the England team are, are that far no. off Australia. Even in the test match yeah. that they lost, I thought there was moments in the game where, um, you know, they could have triggered a, a different tactic. I thought Sophie Eccleston should have opened the ball in the test match in the second innings. She didn't come on until the score was 80-odd for none. I didn't get that. Uh, but I don't think they're far off. I mean, the Aussies are obviously yeah. a, a world-class team, but... Um, you never know. They're almost like uh, in the same position of the men's team is that they know what they have to do. They've just got to win three games. Yeah. I don't see the women team talking as positively as the men team do quite yet. They've not quite had the yeah. same tablets. They need to send a few of the tablets into the <laughs> into the women's dressing room. But uh, yeah, they're not far off, but it, it'll take some to win three on the trot against this Australian side. What do, what do you make of the, the mixed format series and having the... Uh, the test right at the beginning because there's so many points on that it's sort of made it almost like sudden death knockout for the rest of the series 
Yeah, I mean, I like it. I think it works. Um, you know, it's, it's almost a bit like baseball, isn't it? It's like the whole series is uh, added together. <laughs> um, I, 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 ju- I would have loved, and I know I understand why they played um, the Ashes together with the men and it gets a lot of profile. I'd have loved the women's Ashes to have a standout moment next summer. You know, the, the men's summer next year is is not a great one. It's not a, a hugely profiled one. I think it would have put the women's ashes to next summer. The women's ashes would have been the absolute pivotal of the summer for English cricket. Um, mm. And maybe that's what we can do. Because look, look at the crowds they're getting. Loads of crowd, loads of people are wanting to watch. The big audiences on the television. Um, they deserve a standout summer of their own for the ashes. That's all for today. Thank you, Mike. Thank you, Phil. And massive thanks to Jack Leach for chatting with us too. If you're new to the podcast, and I hope you're not, Mike, Phil and I will be here every Wednesday throughout the summer. Previous episodes from this season are all available online, featuring the likes of Justin Langer, Sir Geoffrey Boycott and Adam Gilchrist. If you have any feedback, questions or comments, the address is cricketclub at telegraph.co.uk, so please do drop us a line. And we'll be back with you again next week ahead of the fourth test at Old Trafford. So until then, goodbye.